Hello and welcome to Scheitgeist with Joe and Dave. A very special Scheitgeist. Today we have one big question. CG or not CG? That is the question. <laughs> Dave, uh, I think it's about time that we had a debate and neither of us has ever had a debate before. So this should be interesting. What perfect time to start. Yes, yes. With a whole lot of people listening and judging. Okay, we want you to be the adjudicators what we'll do is we'll put forward our arguments. This will be in some form of debate style, some loose debate style. I, I apologize to anyone who has partaken or ever viewed a debate. This will be um, Yeah, different. we do not know what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's straight fair up. Yeah, straight up. We've never done this before. We don't we've never I don't think I've even been to a debate. Have you? Uh, uh, debatable. Ah! Oh, and we're out. Hey And this has been Joe and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we know that a debate is supposed to have a motion. Uh, that motion is practical effects are superior to computer generated effects. And we tossed a coin and Dave, you got the proposition. I got the mm. opposition. And uh, we'll take turns outlining our argument. Uh, first, do we want to just briefly e explain what our major points are going to be before we go into our, our full argument? Do you want to do that, Dave? Whoa, you caught me off guard here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so you, what, you just want a brief summary of, of uh, what each if, of my if points you are? Have, if you have a couple of points that you're going to cover, let's cover them up at the top and then we'll, we'll take oh, them Oh, I've there. got points, Joe. <laughs> I'm going to get straight to the point. So my headlines for my argument are, one, it is an art form. Two, what are the things we remember most from movies? That's a question. <laughs> which I will answer shortly. Three, it's genuine movie magic. Number four, now, now I feel like I'm doing the top, the top 30. <laughs> Still in at number four. The brain knows that shit is up. That, that doesn't really make sense now that I read it out loud. Uh, number five, I just wrote creativity. Uh, number seven, because there is no number six. And that's how I write notes. <laughs> Modern day practical effects are being championed again. Oh, wait, I found six. <laughs> it was right there above seven and below five. <laughs> uh, number six, CG heavy movies don't hold up well over time. Okay, Dave. Uh, thank you for those arguments. I'll outline mine, which were uh, arrived at independently. I only have four points because I only need four, Dave. Oh, you're confident. I am. I'm going to take you down. Yeah, I'm going to destroy you. Oh, uh, <laughs> trash talk is already happening. So the, the, the four major points I'm going to cover. Um, firstly, I'm going to cover the evolution of computer-generated imagery. And the next thing I'll cover will be the limitations of practical... Yes, yes, I said that, Dave. Limitations of practical effects. Whoa. Three is entitled CG is everywhere, even places you may not expect. Huh. Oh, I just looked behind me. Yeah. Great for a it podcast. It's a great gag for a podcast. <laughs> and number four then is the future of CG. And I think I can sell you on that. The, okay. the, the ultimate aim is to put a poll on Twitter. And uh, after you've listened to the arguments, I want uh, we want you to vote on who's, uh, who's the winner, basically. Um, whether it's the proposition or opposition, whether it's practical or CG effects. So, and I think the loser sh needs to do needs to have some sort of concession or humiliation or some sort of what's the opposite of a prize? 
Well, you'll be humiliated. I know that for sure, Dave. But there's got to be something like, you know, not this, but, you know, you got to run naked down the streets screaming, I love CG. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll totally do it. And uh, you can believe us that we did it. What I'll probably do is I'll wear a full uh, green bodysuit when I'm doing it. And then I'll just uh, CG in uh, my naked body later. Yeah. I've got that on file. Yeah. Well, of course, we, we all do. <laughs> this is taking a weird turn. <laughs> Let's do so, this. So back on, on topic or back on the, uh, the agenda. Dave, you're the proposition and you're going to go first. Uh, we're going to hand over to you and give us your argument for practical effects. Okay, Joe. Well, thank you for giving me the floor. Proverbially, I'm sitting down. Are you sitting on the floor? Practical. <laughs> no, sitting on a bed. It's uh, Practical effects are an art form, first and foremost. It's something that... It's, it's an, a much older art form that is, than, than computer graphics effects. And it's an art form that has existed as long as cinema has existed, uh, pretty much, uh, without going into the full history of it it's something that has evolved over decades admittedly it has had its rough patches um you know there there have been your creatures from the black lagoons or your uh, unconvincing werewolf suits through the ages and uh but you know things it, it it became over time an industry and a very magical industry and a very industrial lights and magical industry see what i did there doesn't work but <laughs> <laughs> it just came to me so i mean on ilm i think that's you know that's where this industry really sort of hit its peak you know star wars came along um george lucas had the vision and the success of star wars created um industrial lights and magic who, who really really drove on practical effects and championed it and became you know probably the lead progenitors of it and uh, will eventually mastered computer graphics as well. So I'm sure they'll be featuring in, in your argument. Um, but that is that is where things peaked. And I think when we think back to the 70s and 80s, that's that's when practical effects uh, in movies are the things that we remember most. And that that's it. They're the, they're the moments we remember most. It's the the gravity walk from 2001. It's um you know, it's the it's the creatures in Gremlins, it's Slimer and Ghostbusters. These are things that are real and they're tactile. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. You know, somebody thought about this, they, they concepted it. Somebody went out and bought the material. Somebody made this this uh, creature or this effect. It's real. It existed and it was and is impressive and amazing. And if you look at the things, I mean, even even in the last 10 or 20 years, you look at um, some of the most uh, incredible effect sequences that we remember from movies aren't CG. And I'm thinking in particular, uh, I guess the D the Dark Knight Tunnel Chase was one I wrote down. Chris Christopher Nolan is uh, famously a big champion of practi practical effects and he loves shooting on film. He's a very old school filmmaker. And another example from him is that in that corridor sequence in inception very like the 2001 he he invented an entire rigged room you know it's it's just that level of creativity and thought that goes into a practical effect is something that's just too easy to do on on a computer but this cre this requires hundreds of people man hour and it just it's it brings out that creativity 
in a director and that's what's so magical about the movies um and then my next point was that the brain knows that shit is up with computer effects you know we've seen the uncanny valley is a is an expression uh, most commonly used for computer graphically animated uh, characters where the sometimes the closer they get to looking human the, the brain just rejects it so it's computer graphics by their nature uh, the better they can only ever get so good even if they create you know photorealistic humans for instance there's just something in there that the human brain is going to reject and that's that's just on creatures i mean the brain still can recognize you know the wobbly wobbly computer graphics such as you know water or fire you know it's um indiana jones is um torch uh, made of cg you know just 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 light a real just light a real torch Stephen. uh don't take a take a leaf out of george's book in that instance um and it's easier to you know it it, it breaks it breaks the um the willing suspension of disbelief i think computer effects can and i'm not saying that practical effects can't either because when they are done badly they can take you out like those bad costumes i was talking about earlier but it's easier when you're watching alien for instance to forget that that's a dude in a costume but it's a lot harder to forget that jar jar binks is just floating in front of ewan mcgregor because he's not there and he never was there um i mentioned creativity before i think this practical effects force filmmakers to think outside the box to when they've got a problem in a script that they need to visualize if it's just pen and paper and wood and a little bit of Hollywood magic, they make it happen. And that's what creates very memorable moments. And it also can help a movie. I mentioned Alien. I mean, in that forced um, uh, Ridley Scott to sort of because it, it was a costume. And if you saw that costume in the full in full daylight, it probably wouldn't look quite convincing. But he didn't you know it was very darkly lit he only shows you glimpses of it because of those limitations and that creates a more terrifying impression and as soon as we saw it in the later alien movies when that creek when the aliens became sort of fully formed cg creatures they lose their edge and that mystery disappears the other thing is that cg heavy movies just don't hold up as well over time i mean if you look at what looks better today the star wars movies that were made from 90 1977 to 83 or the ones that were made from 99 to 2005 i mean personally i (laughs) i think it's i think it's obvious i mean the the original star wars trilogy has has some ropey moments but they're just they're they're real they're there they happen people made that stuff um computer effects just like computer software gets outdated so fast every every year you've got to buy a new pc rig and it just gets better and better and better um so they just don't hold up as well and finally i think we're seeing it i think we're seeing a lot a lot more in modern day filmmaking that practical effects are coming back and they're being championed again because computer effects have have sort of they've sort of hit a wall and i and i will say at this point that i'm i'm in no way trying to argue sort of the luddite point of view that computer effects don't have a place in movie making because i think they do and i think the best movies will combine both of will combine both elements but i think that 
there's just something better about practical effects. And you look at Mad Max Fury Road last year, that is such an, an excellent example of a director who who went out, he could have easily made, you know, he could have had, all those cars could have been CG. He could have had one car and then he could have replicated them all. He could have had the truck be CG. He could, he could have just made the explosion CG because it's just easier. And you don't have to blow stuff up in a desert. And there's risk and costs associated with those things. But George Miller didn't do that. If I watched the behind the scenes um, video of Mad Max the other day. And it's just incredible. It's like watching the movie because it's just happening. <laughs> They're just doing these things. They're doing these incredible stunts, practical effects. They're exploding things in the middle of the desert. The only CG in sight is, you know, a little bit of um, green walls in the background to maybe extend backgrounds or caverns, which I think is fine. Um, and J.J. Abrams is a, a, another, not, not as strong an example because the new Star Wars movie was still very CG heavy but he did make a commitment and he made a big deal about going back to that sort of original star wars magic that old uh lived in feeling that george lucas was trying to create and he did a, he did use a lot of costumes he put simon Pegg in a costume and he did a lot of uh grassroots creature effects which i think for the most part worked quite nicely and did give it a, a more authentic feel and that joe is why i like practical effects how how are you supposed to end a debate? I, 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 do you just do you just like do I drop the mic? I can't drop it. It's very expensive. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't know. I think you've delivered your argument. So um, thank you do for I that. Walk I, out of the room? Uh, no, no. I think you're you're okay. You're okay. Um, I I think it's time for my rebuttal to your argument, um, which I, which I'm going to find very difficult because uh, because a lot you agree of with me and I win slam a, dunk. A lot of the points you made were valid um i think that yeah you, you there is a there is a reason to champion practical effects as you state it is a, a well-developed and and old art form but um i really think that even though it's been around for you know even before movies and tv it was around in stagecraft it's been developed over hundreds of years to get to the point that it is and i really don't think practical effects have developed all that much in the last 30 to 40 years i think that a lot of the tricks that were used in um maybe the the 70s are still the ones that are being championed and that are working today they're being used in more novel ways but it's the same tricks just twists on them or are people using them in in different ways i think that the technology is by itself inherently limited that there's only so many things that you can do with it um, you even said yourself that this technology peaked in the 70s and 80s. And we have you recorded saying that it peaked <laughs> in the 70s and 80s. So, uh -oh. um, like, I, I think your own argument um, sort of has that limitation placed upon it. Um, you, you mentioned Christopher Nolan as someone who champions um, practical effects. Uh, and that is absolutely the case. I cannot argue with that in, in any way. The only thing is... I really feel for the uh, the the CG crew who worked on his films, like uh, Interstellar or um, even The Dark Knight or Inception or anything like that. Like if you look at the behind behind the scenes, whenever a practical effect is used, a computer generated effect is augmenting it, and the key is 
it's very, very difficult, near impossible at this stage to tell the difference between the two. I think that for a lot of um, a lot of the elements that Nolan is using, they're at the same level or even better in a lot of cases. You, you can you can replicate a, a real world photorealistic effect at this stage or you can do something that cannot be created in the real world. You mentioned as well the, the uncanny valley. And that's something that frequently comes up, an argument that, that is stated against uh, computer-generated effects. And just to expand on that, the idea is that the closer we get to a photorealistic um, model of a human, the more our brains think, oh God, this is danger. This looks like a corpse or a, <laughs> or, or a creepy doll or something like that. And yeah, we, we've definitely seen that. And I think one of the, the key examples from the last number of years, Tron Legacy, they they uh, did a composite of Jeff Bridges' face Jeff Bridges. and had had a young Jeff Bridges, and it was like, oh God, kill it with fire. <laughs> so I agree with you that we're currently in the Uncanny Valley. But anyone who's listening to this, if you want to look up a graph of the Uncanny Valley, it dips way down. The the, the graph, as you get closer, nose dives down into the floor of the graph, and then comes up. So there is a point once you come out of the valley that you can get closer and even surpass what's practically available and i think we're in that valley now and we'll soon come out of it i suppose your, your other points to mention ridley scott uh, yes he of, of course he champions practical effects um but if you look at something like prometheus you can level all sorts of criticism against prometheus but the cg work is astounding in terms of the scenery the the um ship effects the, the sense of atmosphere and another world was just breathtaking. So um, what I suppose I'm coming around to is the idea that CG is a tool. And uh, if someone is skilled enough, they can get the most out of practical effects and out of CG. Um, and, and Mad Max, likewise. Again, if you worked on the CG in Mad Max, you must be just raging and really hard done by that everyone is championing the practical effects. When you put your blood and sweat and tears into these virtual things that <laughs> like for instance the sandstorm the enormous uh, kind of um, hurricane that the the entire um, the entire convoy ends up in towards the the center of the film uh, it, it's a, a huge feat to produce that and something that could not possibly be done practically and it is it's an important driving force for the plot of the film and it, it allows you know the heroes to escape. It serves a vital purpose, and it's visually arresting, and it can't be done practically. So I think, for me, yes, practical effects are amazing. And it's the movie magic that we grew up with and that we have the most emotional attachment with. But I think we're at the point now where you can do things with CG that you can't do practically, and you can replicate the real world to uh, an astounding level of accuracy. Wow. That was just your rebuttal. <laughs> I'm afraid so. That, was, <laughs> that felt like the argument. Um, um, I'm, I'm sure there's some common elements. Feel free to take me to task on any bits of my rebuttal. You want me to rebut, rebuttal your rebuttal? <laughs> if you like. This is no, no. Now we're getting into Inception levels of no. I think you gotta, you gotta go, go with your argument. Then I'll come back in. I mean, the only rebuttal I had there, to be honest, uh, was and maybe maybe it's because 
I want this more to be like a street fight. But when you said um, CG is a tool, I was going to jump in and say, no, you're a tool. <laughs> well, the moment's gone, but props nonetheless. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do it because it was it was obviously really embarrassing. But less embarrassing <laughs> to explain it later, I think. Right? Saved it. Okay, Dave. I'm going to let you have it. Here is my Here argument. <laughs> Here's my argument in favor of CG. So my first point is uh, just to, to recap the evolution of computer-generated imagery. Um, so it's it's difficult to find the exact point where it began, but I think the point where it showed itself to be viable was probably in, in 1982 for the movie Tron, um, where there were entire scenes completely digitally rendered. It was It was created on a computer with two megabytes of RAM. So by today's standards... Uh, a standard uh, photograph that you take with your camera is more than that capacity. Your your phone operates on a, a thousand times that processing power. So that gives an idea of the level at which standard technology is, let alone the dedicated render farms that go into producing these uh, these CG effects. So fr- from Tron... About four years later, Labyrinth was the first attempt at a fully CGI animal. I don't know if you remember the beginning of La- Labyrinth. There's a there's a flying owl, which now you're right. These things do age. So the the, the owl that was the first foray into uh, into CG looks more like um, the, the the practical effects of the silent era look to us now. You know these things uh, they have a quaint quality. They don't move you know correctly we can see the problems with it and yet that was a giant leap forward for for cgi animals and the 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 turning point for me or the landmark moment between computer and practical effects was in 93 jurassic park it showed that it was possible to make effects with computers comparable to those of practical effects and i i task you with this now dave if you look at the t-rex scene in Jurassic Park, um, the the close-up scenes used uh, the the animatronic T Rex, just the, the head and, and body of it, and any scene where it's walking around, that's computer generated. So, like, watch that scene, and I challenge you to tell the difference between those those two. And this was at this stage, we're talking twenty three years ago. Things have moved on since then. Two years later, we had Toy Story, and that for me. Like because it was the first computer-generated feature-length animation, I would argue that that was the creation of an entirely new art form. Never before had something been entirely rendered digitally. Uh, it was a step on from animation, compl- completely separate from um, from live action, and uh, it, it just showed what was possible. And even that, by today's standards, still an amazing film, really well made. It has aged, but the modern stuff that Pixar is putting out in terms of the the visual qualities, the, uh, the, the spectacle and the photorealism is just unbelievable. But I mean that in a good way. It's believable. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first feature film to use... Uh, to use AI digital actors 
was the uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, and that was in two thousand and one, and that gives an idea of um, the the effect that CG had on uh, battle reenactments or battle scenes. The idea of now you're able to not hire thousands of extras, and yeah, okay, that th- that's that's rough on the people who work as extras, but it means that you can produce uh, a vast army of individual creatures that operate independently and that they they sort of have a mind of their own um and that was the first time that was done and it's been it's been done ever since for large battle scenes um and it, it just kind of shows the apart from the visual aspect of of computer generated effects that is something that obviously that cannot be done in the real world you couldn't even attempt anything like that the, the closest would be to build a, an army of robots and have them run amok which Awesome. That sounds awesome, but not practical. <laughs> yes, please. So I, I suppose we're coming around now to the, the limitations. My second point, the limitations of practical effects. Um, and the first one that I, I've highlighted is, is scale. Uh, there's something in physics called the square cube law, which means that as something gets larger, its volume increases with the, 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 the cube of the dimension whereas its, its area only increases with the, the square of the dimension. And put simply, if something gets large enough, if you get a, a cow and you make an enormous cow, eventually it'll get to the stage where the bones won't be able to support the weight of all the muscle and tissue hanging off it. So as you enlarge things and make them uh, hu- huger and, and more immense in stature, I don't know why I'm using so many um adjectives for <laughs> or, or similes for for large um as you make things larger uh, they become more unwieldy and, and actually more costly so to do these th- effects practically um cannot be done you, you'd have to fake it in some way use miniatures or, or, or some sort of compositing but um with computer generated effects you can make things whatever scale they need to be for the for the narrative and you can sell them in the real world you can make them you can make them interact with things around. We've seen plenty of examples of that. In terms of giant, um, giant monsters, uh, we, we I, I spoke earlier about the, the Jurassic Park T-Rex, and that was an instance where the environment played a huge part. Um, so in that scene, you, we, we all remember that iconic scene. You have rain bucketing down, and that's controlled rain. That's you know that that that's being spread spread from sprinklers and someone in charge of all that and they have the giant animatronic t-rex and like happened to steven spielberg many years before with the shark and jaws the t-rex couldn't handle absorbing water so as it took on the weight of the water the 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 structure began to shake and shimmy and and look really kind of dance around really really strangely um it was uh, because it was put it put it off balance the uh the motor controls started malfunctioning in it um and i think like if you have a giant practical effect and you can't get it wet then there's there's a mismatch here there's you need something else that bridges the the gap and i think cg can do that i'm kind of rambling here so i'll get back on topic um the other things the other limitations of practical effects i highlighted safety so by having digital armies, you don't put people at risk. Um, an example would be, let's take uh, Game of Thrones, the, um, the, the Battle of the Bastards this year. Um, if you look at the making of that, we, we no longer have creatures that 
don't have any real weight in the world. We now have physics engines um, due to advances in computer game technology. We have physics engines that, that, that allow people to model bone and muscle and tissue. And the horses that you see in Game of Thrones, they have modeled everything down to that level. So when they move, they, they actually build the structure up from bone, from a skeleton, and, and actually build a, a, a physical representation of a horse that would behave exactly the way a, a structure, a complex structure like that, would behave in that environment. So no longer do we have things that don't have heft and that don't look real in the world. Like even a TV production like Game of Thrones, I know it has a large budget, but it's able to do that. And more importantly, once you've done that for one horse, once you've modeled an animal, you can replicate that for any number of movies. So there's a cost saving um, and there's no risk to the animal, which would keep which would keep PETA happy anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> Another one that comes to mind, logistics. If you try and uh, run a helicopter in restricted airspace, n- people aren't going to like that. So uh, you don't have to consult with your um, with the air traffic in order to allow these things to happen. You can composite in uh, a really photorealistic helicopter at this point. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a real world vehicle. It can be something that the imagination can create. The, the director or production designer can concoct something and it, it can look real in the world. And I suppose the, the final thing in, in terms of limitations, repetition. Let's say you build an amazing set and the con- conclusion of the movie is a, a, an explosion. You can only really do that once. If you're going to commit to it, you can only do it once with a practical effect. With digital effects, you can repeat it and get it right until it looks the way you want to look. So that's that's an immediate cost saving. You don't have to make hundreds of sets or you don't have to have redundancy built in. I know this is getting a bit long, Dave, but my third point was that CG is everywhere, even places you may not expect. And I've already mentioned Game of Thrones, but we probably all know by now that the, the castles, the landscapes, the, the armies, these are composited in. No production could build a castle to, to the scale that, <laughs> that that Game of Thrones requires. So um, these are all things that look, uh, they look real to us and they really sell the reality of the, the fantasy world. Um, and it would not be possible, uh, given the budget constraints, it would not be possible practically. Another good example is David Fincher. He's a pioneer of, of uh, computer-generated effects. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them that the social network had an awful lot of visual effects. So the, the Winklevoss twins were played by two separate actors, and then Fincher composited Army Hammer's face onto the other actor. So, um, okay, hard luck for that actor, but an amazing <laughs> and and uh, and really creative use of computer generated effects and one that passes completely unnoticed i think that the point here is that um computer generated effects when they're done well should be completely unnoticed it's a tool the same as as editing if you ask an editor what they aspire to they want to tell the story in such a way that you don't notice the edits and it's the same with cg if you notice the cg then they've done something wrong to that point, the um, the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects last year was given to Ex Machina. And Ex Machina doesn't feature any explosions. It's practically a three-person play. But in order to sell the idea of 
an AI and uh, of a humanoid robot. Um, they put a lot of work into tiny visual details and they really sold the reality of that working with uh, a, a, an actor. Um, you know, it, it's, it's placing it within an actor, which is something that you, you couldn't possibly do physically. The last time that was attempted might have been in the Terminator movies and it was done to great effect. But once you know how it's done, you can look at those now and pick that apart. Whereas Ex Machina, I think, won't age. I think those effects will still look as breathtaking in 30, 40 years as they do now. Which brings me to the future of CG, which is my final point. I mentioned already the fact that technology is accelerating. And uh, I, I think that practical effects have plateaued. I think that all the, the bags of tricks that we have are already existing bags of tricks just used in, in novel ways. Whereas CG is still developing and it's still developing at an astounding rate. Um, so we have the, the uncanny valley, which I touched on, and we're edging closer and closer to photorealistic humans. So it's only a matter of time before we get fully AI actors which can respond in real time to humans, which I think is, is, is going to be absolutely astounding to be able to do that. It, like, okay, it's never going to happen that, well, never say never. I don't think it's going to happen that an Academy Award will be, an, will be uh, apportioned to a digital actor, but who knows? It may <laughs> eventually be the case. I think you'll be excited for this last one, Dave. Uh, this year, Sony has trademarked the acronym VRPG. And nobody knows what it means yet, but it's suspected that it means a virtual role-playing game, which would be like the TV series Westworld, but you're in a VR headset and you're walking around interacting with completely photorealistic humans. That's, that's where we're headed. We're headed for TV, movies, and video games converging into a completely immersive interactive narrative experience dave you can't tell me you don't want a piece of that <laughs> i <laughs> do you want to know what i just wrote down when you said that yes please i wrote down vrpg equals holodeck okay you win oh i could have said holodeck <laughs> oh that was such a missed opportunity <laughs> i think it's over you just won Computer oh, no, no. effects, take me to the holodeck. <laughs> you can't, you can't concede that. You <laughs> no, have to, re- got, you I've have got to do a rebuttal. Pages of notes here, Joe. Oh this shit! Is some serious rebuttals coming. All right. Are all you right. done? Sorry, I should have. Yeah, I, I am done. I'm done. You can, you can spank my rebuttal. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say, excellent argument. Uh, very, very convincing. And as you know, because you can see me, I was nodding for uh, large portions of that. Furiously, because- in fact. Some serious nodding. Like I, ju- <laughs> I just pretty much largely agree. Um, but uh, I am the proposition, and as such, I will proposition you. Oh dear, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> th- th- this is Westworld all over again. Will you do me the honor of sitting there while I rebut you? Oh dear, in the butt. I, this is getting. I don't know how I'm slipping in such weird innuendos here. Um, <laughs> go, go with it, Dave. All right. First of all, Joe, you started your your argument uh, with Tron way back in 1982, and my only rebuttal to that is Tron looks shit. Um, <laughs> two, <laughs> although two megabytes of RAM 
<laughs> that's amazing. Did that, was that, is that a fact? Two megabytes of RAM. Well, what that, that's what the internet says. <laughs> well, I'm I'm with it. Uh, that is cool. Um, onto Toy Story in 1995. I mean, I completely agree with you. That was the birth of a of a new art form and uh, an art form which I welcomed with open arms. And I agree with you that Pixar are just doing better and better work, and things are looking better and better and better. But um, I saw Kubo and the Two Strings two weeks ago um, and thinking back to Ardman Studios and Wallace and Gromit and obviously real uh, stop motion animation. Uh, I think Leica is the name of the studio who makes Kubo and the Two Strings. They did Paranorman and Caroline. Um, there's a simple there's a simple sort of extra level of a I don't want to overuse the word magic, but there's a, there's a. It's just something about knowing that somebody labored over that. You can almost feel the, the blood, sweat and the tears. And I, I, I in no way am saying that computer effects artists aren't doing the same thing because they are. And I champion their art form as well because it is an art form. And you, you rightly, um, I think you rightly pointed out during your argument that they are sort of the, they can be the unsung heroes in movies like Mad Max. Um which, which is a little bit unfair because they're they're as much a part of of those movies as anyone but there is just something about that tactile nature where you can see the you can see the characters they were made and they were just sort of crafted and moved one step at a time and there's a beautiful behind the scenes um reel at the end of Kubo and the Two Strings which I think is available online but I would encourage people to go see the movie uh which shows all the models they made, all the sets, and it's just all there, and you see it to scale with a human being, and it just, it's just gorgeous. Um, Lord of the Rings, two thousand one. Um, I cannot, I, 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 I'd be foolish of me to try and argue against your point about the armies, because, <laughs> uh, that's clearly, I mean, Gollum and the armies were the the big things from that movies, but. I think a larger part of those movies is and maybe this is more set design and creature design and costume design than practical effects but the way the orcs looked and anytime you get close to the orcs that's that's rubber and latex and makeup and that's all real and that's that's there and Peter Jackson you know famously shot most of that on location in New Zealand um and so that that in itself that's again that's i'm cheating a little bit that's not a practical effect that's just a place <laughs> but, yeah but uh, it was done in camera i'll give you that yeah you know they made hobbiton they, exactly that i mean that's a practical no that's a set okay i'm i'm, I'm very i'm very, being very liberal with the the the, the, the term practical effect well, uh, look okay let's let's call it i don't mean to interrupt your rebuttal but no, go ahead. if you can do a cg background then we have to we have to call in set design as a practical effect Yes. Okay. Agreed. Um, so I think I, I still feel like a large portion of that movie uh, in particular is, you know, that the, it, it was. It was very much built as were as were the, the I think, well, it, the computer effects were sort of on the cusp, which you did acknowledge that's, you know, that they they really pushed along the technology in, in many ways. Um, what was the name of the 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 physics? theory which you mentioned about the expanding square i believe that was the square cube law 
the square cube law. Wasn't familiar with that one. Um, but just to, I do have a, a d- direct rebuttal to that. So as the cow gets bigger, <laughs> you mentioned that it becomes such a size that its its bones are no longer able to sustain its body and it will collapse. Well, you just make bigger bones, Joe. Just make bigger bones. <laughs> I I think that's allowing for that fact. <laughs> <laughs> the bones. The, the weight make of the, bigger the, bones, Joe. The weight of the bones is added to the weight it has to support. Then you add more bones, Joe. <laughs> more bones. You're Joe, all about the bones. Don't you want to see how big this cow can go? I just want to see its bones. Just, <laughs> just it's, gonna, it's gonna have so many bones, man. It's gonna this cow. This cow could be could be huge. This could be our new cow overload. I may be taking your... This is a slightly too literally. I regret um, using the cow analogy. <laughs> but moving away from the cow, I mean, you, you did... You you specifically said that your analogy was relating to practical effects becoming too expensive, uh, which is... That, that was the point you were making, that they're just unsustainable because they require more and more money the bigger they get. Uh, well, my rebuttal to that, Joe, is make more money. <laughs> I thought economics. I, I was ready for you to hit me with the fact that CG effects are very expensive in and of themselves. No, Joe. I just want more money. <laughs> more money. This is what I'm saying. Bigger bones. More money. <laughs> more bones. <laughs> um, onto your point about safety. Um, firstly, no blood, no reward. Right, you gotta you gotta see the pain on the screen. We saw it in the Revenant. You know that that Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar for his pain. You know, if some if health and safety were on site for the Revenant, do you think he would have won that Oscar? No, because he would have just been phoning it in, because he would have been very comfortable sipping lattes, not fighting bears in real life, which I presume happened because I didn't see that movie. <laughs> You haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I do I am aware that he won an Oscar and that he was in a lot of pain and that he fought a bear in real life. <laughs> I I'll just point out that it's a CG bear. I'm pretty sure oh. Okay, I'm gonna circle <laughs> back to okay, you win. Um And the Evil Dead, uh Bruce Campbell. Look, uh, Sam Raimi made him suffer and suffer and suffer and he threw things at him. I just think, you know, uh, and also, why do you want to put stuntmen out of work, Joe? You want CG stuntmen? These guys got to these guys got to make bread. They got to make more money. They got to make bigger cows. They got to feed their family. I'm OK with that. I, I just don't want them killed. <laughs> well, they don't want to be killed either, but they do want to come close to it. And that is the job of a stuntman. <laughs> Living life on the edge. Um, I wrote down onto your, your Game of Thrones Battle of the Bastard point. Um, not real horses? What the fuck? Not all real horses. Oh, okay. So, for instance, anytime you see a horse on screen get eviscerated or suffer damage, the ethical treatment of animals, people won't allow that. So it, it has to be some sort of model or a, or a CG horse. Okay, that made sense. Well, I meant what the fuck, as in sort of, uh, I wrote WTF, I'm d- as in disbelief. Um, that's very, very impressive because uh, I did not notice that at all. So that was seamless. I know this is supposed to be a rebuttal, but I feel like... I'm yeah, I don't think you quite understood you what this is. <laughs> um, the, you, another of your point was logistics. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't run a helicopter in rich, restricted airplace. 
uh, airspace. I just wrote, you know, fuck that. Let's fly a helicopter. It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> a lot of my rebuttals are just one-liners. <laughs> um, explosions. Uh, you said, you know, you can only do that once logistically. <laughs> so my answer was two loads of explosions. <laughs> 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 again that's flawless just make more explosions because if you have if I circle back to my earlier point if you if you've made bigger bones on the cow then the cow will be so big that you'll be making more money equals more explosions there's your physics theory um I just wrote David Fincher yeah I agree with that and uh, fully AI actors. Uh, you, I mean, you said the word astounding. I would say terrifying. That is awful. Nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, don't. Nobody. Please. Nobody do that. But that's just an awful idea. Real actors. Just put people in movies. They're they're there. They're doing nothing. People want to act. We we don't need to put actors out of business. And that sounds like the first step towards evil robots. But, that said, Holodeck, VRPG, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, get me in there. Yeah, uh, I'll see you there, Dave. If there's a Holodeck in our future, I'll see you there. Oh, well, we'll never come out of it. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. It, it could doom us all. Unless we're in there right now. How could you rule it out, Dave? Who knows? Maybe they invented it before we were born. That's were actually born I, into the holodeck. I, I managed to make my entire argument without mentioning the Matrix. And I know that would have won you over. Yeah, basically, you won me over at several points. You made <laughs> that very difficult. I was hoping for a spirited argument. And uh, yeah, you're just a pushover, Dave. <laughs> I kind of am. This is why I You're agreeing do... with me. I called you something <laughs> and you agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just want to please you, Joe. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> That's what the holodeck is for. <laughs> I think, okay, look, in terms of the argument, yeah, maybe I crushed you. I, I predicted I would, um, but uh, I made the rules, so that's my bad. Also, it's <laughs> it's very difficult to defend a proposition uh, versus to attack it. I, I think um, maybe framing the argument the way I did or the way we did Maybe it set me up and and kind of left you in the lurch. Um, but what we'll do is we'll throw it over to you, listener. Uh, we will put up a Twitter poll and uh, please only vote after you've listened to the arguments. And uh, yeah, that'll that'll be the ultimate be all and end all, the decider. We'll have the results on the next Scheitgeist. Between now and then, if you want to uh, follow us uh, on Twitter, it's at Scheitgeistpod or shitegeistpod.com. Also, you can email shitegeistpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Dave. I'll catch you next time. Thanks, Joe. See you next time. Vote Dave. Vote or die, motherfucker, motherfucker, vote or die. Rock the vote or else I'm gonna stick a knife through your eye. Democracy is founded on one simple rule. Get out there and vote or I will motherfucking kill you. Yeah, I like it when you...